The only time somebody gets emotionally charged is when they care. If they didn't care what you had to say, if they didn't, you know, if they were indifferent, if they didn't care about you, you know, why would they be so fired up? When you sign a player, when you recruit a player, you make a promise to him and his parents that you're not only going to make him a great player, but you're going to make him a better man. And I think a lot of that is accountability. So if that means that you're going to get your butt chewed out for not hustling up and down the court, then so be it. In those moments, there's always a, a time for a hammer. There's always a time to be like, hey, look, this is a fire drill. I don't have time to explain. I don't have time uh, to walk you through these things. I know it seems real short. I know I'm being really blunt right now, but I'll explain later. Do this. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakker Tech. Yakker Tech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode of The Farm Unfiltered, Bo and I talk through the relationships between coaches and players and also go over some recent events in the NCAA March Madness. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to the farm, unfiltered. Yeah, Joey, it's another great opportunity to get back on the mic and talk through some different coaching dynamics. And I think for this episode, it's fitting to talk about uh, different coaching styles. And uh, there's been some backlash during the NCAA tournament with Michigan State's head coach, Tom Izzo, getting in the face of one of his players in a pretty big moment during the game and figured it'd be a pretty good way to start the show off. So uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the way the player coach dynamic is kind of transitioning in today's society. Yeah, really loaded. Uh, definitely something we're going to have to tear apart and tear the layers back on. Um, I think the thing that always hits me on that stuff, it doesn't affect me as much. Um, and I think because of a couple different dynamics and I, I let, let me unwrap that and don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, I think the, I think the thing that's really important is that we must understand with any situation, it doesn't matter what it is and what type of relationship, if it may be sports coach relationship with somebody else's, you know, relationship with their significant other or whatever, we're kind of like butting in, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think a big part is, you know, we only see stuff at surface level, you know, we see a camera angle and we see this and, you know, meanwhile, again, the next day you see the guy crying, um, you know, about, about his players and, you know, everything else that's going on. And, I think it's very important that, you know, when we see a sliver um, and if we saw a sliver of anybody's life, you know, good or bad. I mean, too often I also talk to players about looking at guys highlight tapes, right? They look at guys highlight tapes and they just all of a sudden um, it's really 
um, how would you say, uh, belittling almost like it almost makes you feel less than right. When you watch someone, everything great they've ever done all put into a couple minute clip. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, Oh my God, like I'm nowhere close to that. It's just like, okay, listen, if I put a highlight tape together of your life and you and your best moments and you, when you're, you're exercising your best character and when you do this, like you look awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the opposite side, if I put together a, I don't know, uh, uh the opposite of a highlight tape. Um, you know, put all those things together and, you know, the moments where you weren't your greatest and your character was being questioned and, um, you know, there's, you had all those moments put all together. That's not gonna be great either. And I think, you know, too often in that, those moments, you know, uh, people, and it's not their fault, you know, I, I show definitely love for both sides because I think people on that same note, you know, when they see someone getting yelled at or they see, um, you know, a player being held accountable um, in those moments. And again, you can agree or disagree with how he chose to um, hold him accountable. But with the same moments as again, we don't have complete clarity on what the situation actually looks like. We don't, you know, even to trying to understand, you know, the words uh, that he was using, the emotions that he was feeling, why he was feeling those emotions. And then also with that inside, you also don't see the previous stuff going on of what the relationship looks like between the, uh, the coach and the player, right? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I know that uh, when you break all that down, you don't know, again, those, him and the player could be very, very, very close. Right. Yeah. And because they have that previous relationship and they have a foundation of trust uh, that, you know, just like when a parent gets on their kid or has a moment where, of, um, you know, where a parent may get um, emotional. Right. Um, you know how that player interprets that information is going to be uh, much different than, you know, how we interpreted it when we're just looking at it from a screen, because we obviously don't have a relationship with coach uh, with the coach. Right. So. I mean, I think there's a lot of different dynamics to that. And I think, you know, that would be my first interpretation is I, I want to seek to understand uh, rather than instantly start pointing fingers and going, no, this is exactly like what I experienced when I was in college and my relationship with this coach. And like, look, one relationship is not another. One person is not another. Um, and we have to be very careful when we do that and we make these associations in our head um, that we instantly, you know, start to condemn um, a coach like that, especially off of all the things, obviously great things that that coach has um, accomplished over the years. Um, but those would be my initial impressions and, uh, you know, definitely want to know yours uh, as well, Bo. Yeah. You know, I think that I agree with you and, you know, I think that as a society, we make bigger issues of things that aren't necessarily there. Um, like you said, I think it's important to look at the bigger picture of um, NCAA athletics and really Tom Izzo as a whole. Um, it's easy to watch one moment in NCAA March Madness on the biggest stage in the world on national television and ridicule a man for, um, you know, making a decision that really you, you look at social media, you look at the players that had this guy's back and he knows what he's doing when he gets certain guys on campus. Just like all of us do as coaches, we find players that can fit a mold and a system that we run a run. Um, and just because one coach holds his players, accountable in a different way than we do doesn't mean it's not right or doesn't mean it's not wrong. Um, we're all entitled to our own opinions. And one thing we do as humans is we look at a situation and we place ourselves in that moment based off our experiences where that player has been brought up and been conditioned completely separately. And that's why it's important for coaches to know the players, um, know each individual guy on the team and know how to handle those situations. So it's very dynamic and we need to, um, understand how to connect with each guy so you know it's 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 difficult um for michigan state it's difficult for tom Izzo to 
handle that backlash and turn back around the next day and play a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those are my initial thoughts is that um, when you're really examining what happened, you need to examine it from a, a total overview of the program as opposed to just one initial moment. Yeah, absolutely. And no, and that's a great point. I mean, look, I got stories like this, uh, especially when I come from that corporate world is actually very interesting. So one time um, I actually went into uh, one of the clubs that I was overlooking out in uh, Texas and my general manager wasn't there at the time. And I walked in um, when I was regional, I always wore a suit every single day. And this in particular day, um, which was funny because I never wore one after this is I wore a red tie with a black suit. Right. And so uh, this the funny part with that story is what happens is I go, I go and one of my journal managers isn't there. So I started going through, like I would do an inspection when I, when I walk into the clubs, uh, just looking over again, like, you know, look and seeing how our team is performing and, um, basically just doing my job, right, Bo? So in any case, um, going through, I'm, I'm doing my inspection and, um, one of the, our parts of our inspection is we lift up our treadmills to make sure that we're cleaning underneath them and scrubbing the floors because over time, um, when the floors aren't clean, uh, they don't get scrubbed. They basically, if you've ever seen like a black floor, floor with those like speckles in them, uh, they start getting like real like blacked over and, um, you know, anyways, they don't look good, right? Simple as that. They don't look good. We're not taking care of them. So, um, uh, I go check underneath our, our, uh, treadmills. And as I'm looking underneath the treadmills, I had two individual members, uh, come up to me and started like ridiculing, uh, that I was inspecting these things. And how, how do you expect your staff to do that? Like, look at all these, you know, females you have working at the front desk, you know, that's not fair, all these other things. And, you know, it was funny because they were instantly assuming, um, that I was there to, you know, condemn the, condemn the staff and tell them that they weren't doing good enough and that, you know, they instantly associated me um, and my leadership style with who they've had experiences with in the past, right? Just like almost like racism, right? They see something they have an association with. They instantly assume that I'm going to go ridicule the staff right afterwards. They mm -hmm. instantly assume that my leadership style um, is, you know, one such way. And then also, which is actually funny, is they also assumed that the staff that was at the front at the time is the staff that's supposed to be cleaning underneath the treadmills. When in reality, we actually have a whole bunch of protocols in place of, you know, of like, you know, the GM uh, handles these things and make sure that when we do have these days of, again, obviously everybody to pick up these treadmills, we have a lot of males on staff. It's overnight. They have a bunch of time when nobody's in the facility. You know, we have also a whole bunch of tools to help pick up the treadmill. Like there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. Right. So it was actually like really funny in us talking to them. And then they started bringing up other things. And then, you know, they had these 40 pound bags. You have them carrying them from the back, which is actually, again, what was funny for me to refocus in that moment of saying, you know, this is, this isn't my facility. You know, I'm just, I'm the regional manager. I have general managers who go about, you know, doing these tasks and their leadership. And it's actually funny. The ones that you're saying that the girls that had to carry these was by choice of the general manager. When we have, you know, dollies and a whole bunch of things that people can choose to handle those tasks any way they like to. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, again, in those moments, it was a very similar instance, right? Where somebody instantly associates me because I'm wearing um, a suit, right? They think that I'm disconnected from their job. I don't understand. I'm from an office. I'm never in the club. So how would I know what they have to go through? And they associate me with that type of leadership style, especially to, uh, which is actually, I got advice on afterwards is that, you know, red is a really strong color <laughs> and especially with black, it actually comes across and you actually look in, Bo, you actually know, especially getting your degree in this and 
psychology, um, the emotions that it actually pulls out in people when they associate certain colors, um, especially in, in associations with I'm in a suit and everybody, all the rest of my staff is obviously wearing more um, gym appropriate attire if that, yeah. you know, like, you know, so it makes, it makes it look like, um, again, that they instantly associated. They had no idea who I was. They had mm -hmm. no idea my type of leadership style. They had no idea my relationship with my general manager. They have no idea my relationship with the staff. Mm -hmm. Um, and they instantly associated, uh, who I was and made a really quick judgment and also, um, you know, made some, unfair um comments to you know everything obviously i dedicate to my staff which so the funniest the funniest things um about those and how that associates obviously over with um you know with this situation is the exact same thing you know and just just like uh, this this scenario you know my general manager came in i was checking on the treadmill she had no problem with me doing obviously my my job and mm -hmm. came over and was like oh yeah you know there's some things i've been working on uh with our staff how we can do these better and obviously we had the conversations about what can i do to help what can i provide you guys with to make this happen like you know completely different conversation than what um that parent like outlook you know looked yeah. like it was going to be um and the exact same thing here you know the, there's a there's a coach on the court um you know he is pulling you know he if, there, if there's somebody that wants the player um, to succeed, it's the coach, right? The coach doesn't want the player to fail, right? The coach, the coach doesn't want, um, the player not to be successful because the, the players have to be successful. Um, you know, for the whole, not only for the whole team to succeed, but also for them to succeed. If the, the team doesn't succeed, then they fail as well. Right. Yep. Um, now sometimes people associate that with their coaches that they had maybe at lower levels or coaches that they had when they were growing up, or they just see somebody somebody be emotional and yelling, and they instantly put them in the wrong because they associate that with um, things that's happened, you know, in their lives, right? Yep. And yep. that's one thing that we have to be careful from doing is just instantly associating. Just like when we, um, you know, look up, down upon um, racism, uh, racism now it's the same exact thing, just in a different aspect. It's just you can't you can't instantly look at somebody at face value and then you know uh, place judgment upon who they are, what they represent. Um, or any of those things. And, you know, we have to be careful on both sides of those, you know, it's, we have to look to understand, we have to, you know, look to, you know, leave certain, uh, certain things, not saying that we need to, you know, um, look past it and not show it attention, but we want, we need to try to understand, not instantly just pass judgment, you know? Yep. Well, that's the thing is I don't want the people listening to, like you always said, to hear what we're not saying. Um, there's multiple ways to hold your guys accountable and there's multiple ways to get your message across. Um, did coaches do it in the most professional uh, manner? Maybe not, but in that moment to that certain guy, that's probably the best way he knew how. So um, I think it's important to keep that in mind is the magnitude of any situation whenever you're dealing with somebody, whether that's a subordinate or whether that's a manager, whether it's in the school place, you know, it's with your team in your professional realm. I always challenge people to put yourself in the situation of the person that's coming onto you and understand the experiences that led them to do that. Um, because typically, you know, they do have your best interests in mind. I mean, what's that saying, Joey, if I'm yelling at you, it's because I care about you. Right. Yeah. So um, Tom Izzo also has, and really every coach, when you sign a player, when you recruit a player, you promise and you make a promise to him and his parents that you're not only going to make him a great player, but you're going to make him a better man. And I think a lot of that is accountability. So if that means that you're going to get your butt chewed out for not hustling up and down the court, then so be it. Um, and, you know, the, the people 
you know, are saying and complaining about this situation and similar things, you definitely have that right to. But I just challenge you guys to maybe look at it from a different lens, because at the end of the day, I don't think any coach wants something bad for their player. Yeah. 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 And I think, and then also too, I mean, let's, let's be honest again, just like what you're saying, one thing that we need to do, especially when we're dealing with someone that's being emotional, let's say you're the player and you're getting yelled at there. Um, one idea that, you know, has really helped in those situations, especially when I, um, when someone's emotionally charged at any point, having a conversation with me, the only time somebody gets emotionally charged is when they care. Yeah. Right. If they didn't care what you had to say, if they didn't, you know, if they were indifferent, if they didn't care about you, you know, why would they be um, so fired up? Right. There's things that are going on. There's something that's making them be that emotional. And so um, obviously, you know, there's certain situations again. Yeah, of course. Could we handle things, you know, uh, in different ways? Yes. But also, too, we have to be careful because in sports arenas, things are different as well. you know, what we call, what we call uh, John Maxwell actually dives into this when he talks about leadership and, um, level one leadership. Um, there's like, you know, he describes five different levels of leadership and the first level of leadership, um, is position. And sometimes when you're basically expressing your position over somebody, um, it's very short and to the point. Um, and there's a need for level one. It's like a tool, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you look at these tools, there's a time for a hammer, right? There's a time when I need to hit it with a sludge hammer. Right. And I described this actually when I was presenting to um, our staff members at, at Planet Fitness one time, we were talking through how, okay, you know, one time and when I lived out in Austin, I took uh, Bane on for a walk, who's my dog, if you guys don't know by now. But yeah, he's my dog. We were on a walk in Austin and I took him off of his leash and uh, he was going bathroom and like this, uh, going to the bathroom in this like open area. Um, well, out of nowhere, I don't know if he saw something or whatever, he started sprinting towards the street, right? Well, when he started sprinting towards the street, um, if someone was just looking from the outside manner, I was screaming at him, right? I mean, I was screaming like, get back here. You know, probably said some things, you know, that you can't say on air, but yeah, I was screaming at him. Right. Because why in that moment, right. Is it, is it because I didn't want to hurt his Like, okay, it's not about me hurting his feelings. It's not about, you know, what he needs to hear and all these other things in that moment. Um, it was very important that I got his attention, right? Because he's running towards something that he doesn't know that is going to really hurt him. And also I really care about him, right? So in those moments, there's always a, a time for a hammer. There's always a time to be like, Hey, look, this is a fire drill. I don't have time to explain. I don't have time uh, to walk you through these things. I know it seems real short. I know I'm being really blunt right now, but I'll explain later. Do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a time and a place for that. And there's also a time and a place for a relationship. I guarantee you after all of this, and especially after all the media coverage, I guarantee you, um, you know, uh, coach probably had a conversation with the player later on. Right. Yeah. Um, I guarantee you that conversation happened. I'm sure there's a conversation with the AD and all that stuff probably happened as well. Right. Um, all these things, all these things happened. Everything comes full circle, but you know, again, I, I think it's really important that in those scenarios where, again, if you were to walk up when I was screaming at the, uh, at my dog to come back to me, uh, you might misinterpret that conversation, right? And you might misinterpret my um, like love and affir- you know, and um, you know, affirmation of love I have for um, my dog, right? Uh, yep. Just because you hear me screaming at him in that moment and not understanding the complexity of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and again, that doesn't mean that we don't try to be better next time. It doesn't mean that next time I don't go somewhere that's like closer to a street. It doesn't mean that maybe next time we don't keep them on a uh, like a longer leash or whatever, right? Um, it just means in that moment, you know, you had to do what you had to do. You had to make a gut decision. And also too, like the coach is emotional, right? He's he's um, also a really big competitor and um, he's also, you know, 
uh, knows how to get his, he knows his players. He knows how they react. He knows what gets them fired up. He knows how to get them to play as hard as uh, he needs them to play. Some of them you got to scream at, right? Some of them you got to pat them on the butt. And I was one of those players, for example, um, almost on every single team that I was on, um, my coaches used to yell at me all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to tell me when they would yell at me, um, like when, when we were off the field, they would just say, Hey, you know, I feel like, um, you know, when I yell at you, like they actually had like a running joke on my junior college that, um, and every, every time something happened, my coach would yell my name, even if it wasn't my fault, like as a <laughs> joke. Right. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, Cunha, you're like, you know, it's like, everything was my fault. Um, but again, like the, he had broken down on me at one point and just said, Hey, look, like the reason I yell at you, the reason I'm so hard on you is because I, one, I know you can take it, right? If, if yeah. I knew that he's like, there's a lot of players that you'll see that I don't yell at. And it doesn't mean that I don't care about them, you know, anymore, or I care about you um, any less because I'm screaming at you, right? It just, that's how, you know, with you, um, I know that you can take it. You know, I know that, you know, again, when he would come out to the mound or something like that, when I come in to close a game and he was fired up because one of our other pitchers didn't get it done, like he could talk to me. And even like when I was in Little League, it was the same thing. Like my coach used to come out there and they used to do the same thing. Like they, I always had that personality where you could yell at me and I was okay. Right. Um, and again, like, that's just how I grew up. I didn't have a problem, uh, with a coach getting on me. I didn't have a problem with him caring and being emotional because he's a human being too. Right. Um, the coach is a human being. He's got emotions. There's times when I'm going to screw up and I'm going to get angry and I'm going to yell and whatever. Right. And so I can't, uh, also, even though he's leading me and yeah, he's going to hold it together much more than I am. Um, there's going to be moments where, you know, uh, he's a human being, right? <laughs> he has emotions. He cares. He's going to get fired up. Um, and we got to be a little bit more, show a little bit more empathy on both ways and also show some maturity um, when we go to recognizing a situation and wanting to understand more before we instantly just pass judgment. Um, and I know that, Bo, you kind of wanted to dive into that dynamic between coaches and players and what that looks like. So um, I don't know if you wanted to add any comments before we kind of move on that way. Well, I mean, I, I just think the biggest thing, you know, one thing we have to do is decide, and I have to do a better job of is understanding that everybody didn't, hasn't had the opportunity to play athletics at a high, very high level. I feel like that's just something that comes along with it is sometimes you're going to be held accountable. Um, and as far as, uh, as far as this whole issue, you know, people compare sports to office jobs and a lot of the dynamic is the same as far as leading, um, you know, managing employees, getting people to do, um, you know, to buy into a culture. However, when the blood gets flowing and emotions get high and your competitive nature comes out, things happen in moments that obviously you could handle in a, in a better manner. Um, and that's where, you know, you hopefully you have a solid culture built and you have a solid foundation to where there's a mutual agreement and, and, and a mutual um, conclusion there from a player coach dynamic to where you understand he wants the best for me, where, you know, if you look at this situation and some of the Bobby Knight things back, um, you know, when, when Coach Knight was coaching, his players respect that and his players understand that, that, that they want the best for them. So, you know, it just fires me up because sometimes, um, you know, you try to understand somebody so well and there's no pushback on the other end to where they can meet you in the middle. So mm-hmm. sometimes I get myself in trouble where I start arguing and the other person isn't trying to, to listen. They're just trying to um, come up with what they're going to say next. So I need to do a better job of that. But um, as far as that player coach dynamic, what happens on the court a, a lot of the times is a 
product of what happens behind closed doors. And I think that you you see how good of a culture they built there with that run. They go on to close the game and end up making a run um, and, and and ultimately blowing those guys out in the end of that game. So, um, you know, as far as, the, as that dynamic, there's a lot more that, that goes into it than at that surface level. Yeah, absolutely. And then I was going to say, you know, on the same note of that, for guys to understand, while it's not to this extreme, you can see how there has to be a middle ground. Like think of it like this, you go in from like an office type leadership and where everything's more civil and maybe it isn't, uh, yeah. you know, something that needs to happen right this second yeah. where, where again, like, let's say if you're in like, you're at war and you're like in the Marines, you think those guys aren't yelling at each other, right? Yeah, right. You think guys aren't, you know, raised with emotions, there's bullets flying now again, while, while this isn't war, there is a middle ground between there is a extreme between an office, right. And then being at war and there, I think that's where sports is somewhere in there and it's more closer to the war than it is to the office. Yeah. Right. So there is that middle ground where there's going to be emotions. And also too, there is going to be some things where guys need to be held extremely accountable because it's a little bit different. Um, and it's a little bit less forgiving, especially in sports and that type of, uh, arena, um, that again, if a guy, you know, if a guy, especially to what it can do to your team dynamic. And once you get into um, leaderships and you uh, leadership and you've been in that arena before and you understand how the smallest things can change, um, you know, represent culture and the smallest things uh, represent teaching moments and the smallest things represent how you do everything, right? How we do something is how we do everything. Um, you know, when you understand all of those things and you see it manifest itself on the court, um, you can understand it, some different perspectives um, on how that looks. And I think a lot of times if you haven't been in sports and you're just kind of watching, you're like the you're just watching from a couch or things like that as well. Um, you know, you might miss that dynamic and miss that understanding of what it's like to be on a highly accountable um, and highly, uh, you know, like large stage uh, type of uh, team that that team uh, was on at that moment, too. So. Some very interesting things. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of emotions for coaches and their relationships they have with players. And, um, you know, kind of going to bring us into that next thing that we, Bo and I were kind of talking about beforehand is, you know, what players feel like. I mean, what players and coaches feel like when, again, all the things they're doing off the court and how that transfers over. So if you kind of want to open that up, Bo, um, we can go that way too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that um, I just wanted to add one thing, one quick thing before we transition is, you know, some of the best teams I've been on, you go through something that tests you and your culture and you pull back the layers and vulnerability sometimes leads to the best growth. So um, sometimes in those moments where you're being challenged as a coach and as a player um, and you're getting tested and you're getting some pushback, sometimes it's good as a coach to let that happen, to, to let it go, see how you guys will respond. And you're going to learn a lot about how your team deals with failure and how they deal with success. And that kind of leads us to this point is to where, you know, how we handle that as coaches when we're working with guys, they're having a lot of success in practice, they're making adjustments, they're doing things, um, what, what appears to be all everything right, you know, off the field. And then, you know, as soon as they step on the field and, and the lights are on, um, some of those things aren't translating and some of those, uh, the, the, the production numbers aren't showing up. So it's, it's very challenging especially when you're invested in your guys. Uh, it's, it's hard as a coach to see and, and deal with that. Uh, and, and, and I think we're going to open that up, Joey. I don't know. It's probably a little bit different for you in, in the private setting as far as you're not necessarily dealing with them in game. Um, but how, how did you deal with that? And what were your, some of the experiences you had when you were coaching there at Brighton? 
Yeah, I think I think uh, they're different, but also too, I think now that on the private sector that there's even in a higher degree because obviously they're they're paying you for results, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there is expectations. You don't come mm-hmm. to 108, and I I make this. There's this funny joke of this happened that we um, at one point uh, Eugene actually purchased a boat for us to go out on the ocean, right? And pr- mm-hmm. purchased a private boat. Um, and also a, a private captain and all this, all these things, uh, to be taken care of before we, get, we left. And so we had this uh, new captain, uh, that are in these waters out this way and actually just had, uh, come out this way. And before we got on the boat, um, in the morning, it's like four 30 in the morning. And before we get on the boat, he goes, we leave with no expectations. Right. And everybody yeah. just looks around at each other. Like, no, we paid a couple, <laughs> you know, we paid a pretty good penny for there to be expectations. Right. So kind of the same exact thing when, uh, players come to, when players come to 108, they're absolutely as expectations. And I, um, a, again, I'm okay with expectations, meaning like they expect things out of me because of um, what uh, that looks like. You know, obviously our reputation and there is a um, expectation for us to be able to produce for them. Just like, you know, again, if someone's going to pay you millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, there is an expectation for what that person's going to bring to the table. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it is a little bit different, obviously, especially from the private sector than it is for um, in the public sector. In that way, is that we absolutely are tied uh, to those results that we're pulling uh, guys from, um, mm-hmm. but also to um, just re- also remembering where our identity is. Even those those you know the results that we that we see are definitely feedback, right? It's feedback for what how you know what we're doing and um, you know giving us some uh, KPIs. And understanding, um, you know, uh, key performance indicators. Sorry, but business language. Definitely some uh, KP, uh, KPIs there for uh, having us, you know, giving us like kind of lights. Uh, if you were to say like, you know, out in the ocean, if you were to, you know, see a lighthouse and things like that, those those indicators are letting us knowing if we're going in the right direction or not, right? And it's the same exact thing for players when they're actually playing. Um, you know, again, are we going the right direction? Are we doing the right movements? Um, is this stuff transferring? Is it not transferring? Do we need to focus on a different area? Um, you know, and, and, and it really helps us understand. And, and even though it becomes, it could become emotional because you've put so much time into somebody, right? Um, also to, you know, one thing that I always keep in scope is even though it's not always true, a great mindset to have is that there's no bad students, only bad teachers. Right. And the reason I say that is in reality, is that true? No. Like there is bad students, 100 percent. Right. There is bad students. There also is um, bad teachers. Right. But as a teacher, if you take on that mindset that it's not them and it's you, you're going to continue to be innovative. Right. You're going to continue to um, find ways and you're always going to tell yourself. And and more often than not, though, if you're going to take the percentages. Yeah. Is there bad students? Absolutely. But there's a coach or a human being somewhere, some way at some time that could connect with someone that you're not able to connect with them right now, right? Could get yeah. them to move away that you can't get them to move, right? And it might be, um, and for whatever case, and the reason I, I always look at it that way is I always hold myself accountable, right? I take extreme ownership um, in the right of how my players are doing, right? Um, when they perform, yeah, how easy is it to cop out and just place blame on the player? How easy is it to cop out and place blame on the coach that's you know actually pr- coaching them in the um, on their team, right? How easy is it to place blame in other areas? Um, but I always just take ownership in that. And at the end of the day, the coach on the field and the coach in the private sector both want them to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we both have a common mission. The player wants to succeed, right? So we're all pulling in the same way. We all want the player to succeed. 
Um, we might have different ways of how we want to go about it, but I always take extreme ownership and you know what they go about. And um, you know, we we have we've had the reason we brought this up, Bo, obviously, is we had coaches reach out and and you know uh, ask about this, right? Um, there's coaches that really take it um, take it hard and they take it to heart. Um, there's coaches that don't sleep well when their players aren't performing, and um, it keeps them up at night. And you know, obviously, a lot of that shows that you care, right? Yeah. You wouldn't if you didn't care, you know, wouldn't bother you. You would sleep real well at night, right? And, mm -hmm. and, um, I think also, you know, a part of that is just realizing that that is reality, right? Like you care, if you care, like you're going to stay up at night, you know, you're going to, you're going to think you're going to be innovative. You're going to come up with other ways that you're not currently doing that, uh, looking at things. You're going to look at other ways that other people are training. You're going to look at different movements. You're going to, you're going to, um, look at their film over and over again. And you're going to like, you know, Bobby had said in, on uh, the podcast recently, uh, recently, how many times he's fell, uh, fallen asleep with a laptop on his lap you know, asking himself, what am I missing? You yeah. know? And when you take all that in together and you keep asking yourself, what am I missing? I think the first step to that is first just understanding like, Hey, like it's okay that I care, right? It's okay that, um, these things bother me. Right. Um, because I want it. That's what makes me get better. Right. That's <laughs> what makes me a better coach is that strive to say, I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to keep finding ways. Every athlete is a new, uh, is going to teach me a different lesson, how I can help somebody else in the future just like every athlete has done beforehand. Right. And I think if anything, uh, what I keep in, in mind there is when an athlete is struggling, I think we just have to find more and more ways of understanding what they're actually, what, what's the reality of that struggle. Right. I think too often, and Bo, we talked about this before as coaches, sometimes we can find ourselves chasing our tails because we're trying to track down and fix symptoms. Right. Yeah. And when we're trying to, and when we're trying to fix symptoms, what happens is, is we fix that stem, uh, symptom. Yep. That's right. The nose isn't, is no longer, um, you know, stuffy, right. But now it's runny and it's all over the place. And, or again, now we don't have a cough, but it, it again, um, there's, it doesn't mean that it, it goes away for 24 hours and then it's back again. Right. Yep. So the same thing with the player and his movement sometimes, you know, uh, and, and often I think that's a, just because you know what it looks like to fix a symptom and you know what it's like, uh, to see things pop back up. That should give you like a clear understanding. When you've seen that pattern, you should ask yourself, okay, is it, okay, look, I've tried to fix this multiple times. If it keeps coming back, is this the act, like the reality of the problem? Or maybe it's being caused by something else, right? Cause it has, it, it, it looks, smells, right? Everything looks like a symptom, right? When I think about it from an outside perspective, I keep trying to fix this thing, but every time I fix it, something else, you know, uh, it comes back in another way or manifests in a different way, or all of a sudden I fix this, but then there was trouble over here. Um, those things are all, um, just great ideas of, you know, indicators that this might just be a symptom. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think, I think with that, you know, uh, it, you know, facing that reality as a, as a coach, that's kind of like the first steps and some different ideas of how to go about handling some of those. What do you got on that though? Yeah. Yep. And the, the thing of it is, is I always look at this situation as a way to shape the player for what's coming. Um, you know, we've all heard it. Failure is subjective. You might not have gotten a hit, but are you getting better? You know, I, I love coaching people through failure, not, not just players, but people, you know, if we look at it from the player standpoint, you know, let's say he's struggling, grasping a particular movement, you know, that movement isn't going to affect you down the road, but how you respond to the failure from not being able, able to make that adjustment, that's going to stick with you down the road. You know, changing a movement or behavior is very difficult. And sometimes those symptoms keep showing up, but they're more prevalent because of the mindset we have of being stuck in that pattern, if that makes sense. So 
Um, I think as coaches, you know, instead of beating ourselves up, there's a lot of give and take through that process. You know, you learn your, you learn about yourself as a coach. You learn how to communicate with these guys when they're experiencing that failure. And you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're preparing these guys for their lives after baseball. You know, just because they don't put the ball in play with less than two outs, the runner on third, okay, he might have failed then. But what are we going to do? make his mindset better for that next time and then improve his mindset for when he's done playing and he experiences failure down the road in his profession, you know, he's going to be able to handle that in a, in a professional manner. So, you know, I, th- I think that it's very difficult to look at that in the moment. You know, we want to coach, we want to think that this is the end all be all, but at the end of the day, we're just preparing these men for what's coming down the road. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, like, you know, we're preparing them for later in life, but also too remember, obviously life is happening during baseball, yeah. right? It's kind of like going to church in that way is like, okay, look, yeah, you go to church and you're preparing for the future, but also, you know, there's, there's life going on right now. Right. Yeah. And there's things that I got to deal with on a daily basis. And you're teaching them how to be, you know, men and deal with those things and also walking them through that, um, as they're going through it. Um, so I think real reality, again, we have to, we have to, what we focus on is, you know, what has our what has our attention is what has us. Yeah. Right. And so we have to, we have to, you know, we got to be real careful what we put our attention on um, when it comes to those things um, and what's really important. And, and I think, I think obviously with all of those, the only thing I think as a coach that you can really screw up um, is by focusing too much on the smaller things of, you know, what are sports really for? Why did the get, kid get into sport in the first place? What's, you know, again, let's keep our eyes on why we got into coaching in the first place, right? Yeah. Let's keep our, well, let's keep our eyes on that. Let's keep our eyes. Um, and, and one thing, one thing I heard this story a long time ago, especially to some of these coaches that are really getting, um, you know, going hard on some of, you know, these other coaches and, and kind of condemning other coaches in this way is I heard the story. And again, if you're not religious, that's okay. Just take, uh, take, take the meat and leave the bones, right? Just take the, take the lesson and, and leave the bones from this. But, um, there was this, there's this lady that was in church and she'd been going to the church for quite a long time. And she went up to, uh, the pastor and she was going to switch churches and she just wanted to say thank you. And she was moving on. And so the pastor was just like, well, you know, you've been coming here for a really long time. I'd be really interested for some feedback. Is there some things that we could be doing better? You know, what are the reasons for you leaving? And she's like, you know, you're right. I've been coming here for a really long time. I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this church. Um, you know, just lately I've been looking around quite a bit and there's been, you know, a whole bunch of people on their phones and, you know, they're not taking in the message. And, um, you know, she started talking about all these different things that, you know, she doesn't want to be part of a church that was like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pastor said, okay, well, that's, you know, I, I definitely understand. Uh, but before you leave, could you do something for me? And, and she's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. What's going on? He's like, okay. Um, could you carry this cup of water, um, around the church, go around, you know, around the whole church and then come back here, um, and make sure you don't drop um, you know, a single ounce of water. Right. She's like, uh, yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah. So, um, she's, she's like, that's kind of weird, but you're my pastor. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Right. So she takes the cup of water. She walks around the entire church, right. She's focused on the water. Um, and she comes back, she's like, okay, perfect. Like I didn't drop, um, you know, any, any glass of water, like, you know what, I don't understand what the purpose of that was for. Right. And the pastor, you know, looks at her and says, well, look, when you were so focused on the cup of water and not dropping any ounce of water, were you looking around? She's like, no. 
right? She's like, okay, well, when you were focused on the things that you needed to be focused on and the things that, and you aligned your purpose, uh, you know, you weren't focused on anything else that was happening inside the church. You were focused on the water. And the same thing happens, you know, uh, with God in this way, um, is that, that if you focused on God and you weren't focused on, um, and you actually, you know, uh, were managing where your focus was and you put your purpose, um, and you align all those things together, um, you won't worry about all the things that are happening around you. Um, and you won't be condemning the ones around you. And again, like everything kind of more holistically. And as a coach, it's the same thing too, in this way is that like, if you align yourself and you put your focuses on, you know, exactly why you got into coaching in the first place and you're focused on how you can become a better coach and what you could do better. And you're focusing on yourself that way, you're going to look around a lot less. Right. And then when you do look around, you're going to look around with empathy rather than um, looking around and like pointing fingers and saying, look, uh, he does this wrong and he does this wrong. And I don't know why he would do that. That's a terrible coaching style and all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get in that way, I think that we are just not focused on our own cup of water, right? Yeah. We need to be focused on our own cup of water. And when we're focused on our own cup of water, let that be God, let that be, you know, again, just why I got into coaching a bigger purpose, whatever that is for you. Right. Um, when we're focused on those things and we're focused on the things that hold us steady and keep us aligned with, uh, what we think our true purpose is. Um, I think in that way, we're going to be a lot less, uh, we're going to get off track a lot less often, you know? Well, Hey guys, uh, you know, again, another great episode, love sitting down with Bo and us talking about some of these coaching topics. So again, we're obviously going outside of the box with a lot of these things, bringing in different sports and really talking about, you know, I, and, uh, you know, our opinion with guys reaching out to us, these are things that, you know, guys that might hit some, you know, close to home. I might step on some of your guys' toes. It steps on our toes all the time. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, we got to think about and we have to hold ourselves accountable to these things as well um, as we talk through them and as we mature as coaches. Um, so this is, you know, awesome things. We love for you guys to reach out. We love, um, you know, just to find ways of how we can help you guys. And and you guys, I, I want you know to make this message as clear as well is we absolutely need you guys. Like we absolutely need help. Right. And when we're going to, you know, the impact that uh, Bo and I, uh, you know, the things that we have taken on when we took it on the, the podcast and all the website and all these things that we're doing, trying to give back to uh, the baseball community, we absolutely have taken on something much larger than, you know, Bo and I ever intended and anything that uh, we could ever do by ourselves. So we need we need other coaches. We need you guys. Uh, we need to help. Uh, we need it only way that we can reach a lot of the places that we want to reach is with your guys's help and with your guys's, um, you know, just really sacrificing with us in the way of like sharing resources and, um, just really anything you guys can do to help other coaches we're in, we want to listen to it. So, um, if you guys could reach out again, you can reach out to us on email, you can reach out to us on social media. Um, so like so many of you guys do, um, you can share our content and, you know, to help other coaches as well. I'm sure this message is great for a lot of different people that are struggling through some of these same uh, things. And we continue to want to do that on a daily basis. Um, but from us, our partners over at Yakutech, Farm System Out.